Hey guys, it's Edge Martinez. They call me the voice of New York. And 50 years ago, hip hop started right here in New York City. And we're celebrating the five boroughs all year long. Check out nyctourism.com forward slash hip hop for cultural stories, events, interviews, and more. nyctourism.com forward slash hip hop. What's up, everyone? This is Tyler Dunn with the Go Along Podcast. Uh, thanks so much for checking out our latest episode here with the phenomenal Connor Orr of Sports Illustrated. I think you guys are going to love it. Uh, shares a lot of stories about Doug Marone. We went to school together at Syracuse uh, when Doug Marone was just starting out there in his first year taking over the program. So there's a, there's a few stories there. And, and Nate Hackett, um, Connor's done some extensive reporting on on Hackett back to when he was the offensive coordinator in Jacksonville to now taking over the Denver Broncos. Just a lot of optimism there. So I think you're going to get a look at him as well. And we get into all of Connor's work on the Cleveland Browns. A lot going on there with that franchise, be it Deshaun Watson, be it the allegations of tanking with Hugh Jackson. Connor got to the bottom of what exactly went down with Hugh Jackson and, and got a really close look at his contract, which is unbelievably enlightening. I'm just kind of introing here because uh, as a word of warning, the audio quality on myself and Jim Monas's end is rough. So we figured out the problem after the fact. Um, had to do with kind of a mic slash zoom slash what the hell are we doing with this audio. Connor sounds good though. And that's what's important. So uh, we're rolling with it. Here's the full episode. If you can bear with the audio, like I said, we got to figure it out. It should be better from here on out. So uh, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Here is this week's pod. This is the Go Along Podcast. I'm Tyler down here with Jim Monas. We're at Hamburg Brewing Company. Drinking some beers. Just listening to some good music. And what better way to top off a glorious Wednesday night than seeing my good friend, Connor Orr of Sports Illustrated. In the flesh, sort of, kind of. We wish you were here in Hamburg, New York. But we're on Zoom. So, it does. I mean, Zoom is kind of my life. I think we have to start off by saying the first thing we saw with Connor was a red solo cup. Now, Connor, cheers, first of all. Cheers. Uh, can you at least let our listeners know? We all, we're all about, we promote the Hamburg beer is like, it's out of control. Can we at least know what you're drinking in the red solo no, cup? No, he just put his kids down like like we did about we an hour that. ago. So that's okay. So Connor's that's kids, they take a little longer to put down. So I, I don't know if you go to alcohol that quickly. Maybe. No, it's a, it's a very it's a very boring uh, it's a very boring answer. It, it was water, uh, uh, so yeah, not uh, not very exciting. I'm. Uh, I thought I'm, I'm I was hoping for a straight. <laughs> I was gonna say straight gin, like quick oh, transition. Some days, man. Like I mean, yeah. the kid life. You know that it's just like fire it up. You know, fill this kid drink with Hendrix and then just knock it down. You know? Kids and head coaches. Yeah. Honestly, I was thinking we should just talk about fatherhood for an hour. I mean, we really could. We all have kids, and Connor's the head of the game with us here. So how old are your kids now, Connor? Four and a year and a half. So, 
yeah we're we're in the thick of it it's great though like i mean it's it's obviously impossible but we've talked about like being able to freeze them at a certain place in time and that's this is exactly where i want them i don't want them to get any older like my son's a year and a half he's hilarious he just says ridiculous things my daughter's in the princess <laughs> phase there's nothing better than like the disney princess phase it's just it's amazing like you know every we watch frozen every single day and, yes you know, you know, it's just like, you know, their whole, their whole life's a fairy tale. And I was like, this is great. You know, let's not, what are we doing with college or anything? Just stay here and we'll do this forever. You know, we'll just, you know, Disney princess for life. It's the absolute best. So Jim has a son. I am a two, he's two, two and a half, soon to be three and a 10 month old, but that we're in the princess phase with Ella. It's the best. Like you just put it perfectly. It's the best. I mean, she wants to change into a princess, a different princess dress every hour on the hour. Yep. And we're all about it. I mean, we're, we're ripping through Moana. I mean, Frozen, uh, Encanto. Encanto or Encanto? I think it's Encanto. We we just got into Encanto. Yeah, we the the soundtrack is nonstop, man. Nonstop. There are some jams. There are some jams. Absolute jams. Yeah. Yeah. We don't talk I mean, about Bruno Jam. Yeah. Family Madrigal is a jam. Uh, we listen to it every single day on the way to preschool like i know all the words to both frozen soundtracks I am, <laughs> i'm in i'm in but i love it there's nothing better than that preschool. i'm nervous my son gets excited he loves he has his shows he likes but he also does get excited for the end of a horse race <laughs> when daddy when daddy dada may have a, a bet on a game or a horse race wow you're already indoctrinating your son that's horrifying well i figure by the time he's of age all our kids i mean let's face it they're gonna have it on their phones ipads i mean you oh, can yeah. we all know it i'm just trying to teach yeah. him that hey find value do the exact boxes you know don't bet on the favorite you can't make money but <laughs> You know, he does cheer for the winning horse. He cheers for the winning horse. That's good. Exactly. Well, would... That's how someone taught me how to bet. They were just like, just do this. Because then <laughs> everything else will screw up. So just do that. Yeah. So I grew up, I mean, I went to high school in uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, Bishop McDevitt. And our one of my assistant coaches took me to the Penn National, the racetrack there. First time I ever went. And we took the favorites. You know, I took the, the horses he told me to take and, it lost, you know, we're watching a race and it lost. I was like, dang, man, these guys were the favorites. He said, that's what the ATM is for. He goes, rip that ticket up. Let's go get some more money. And we got another race coming in 20 minutes. I said, okay. I got that's On the, the other end of the spectrum, I've, I've tried to just say the TV's broken. Now let's turn it off and just say, sorry, Ella, it's not working. So wait, I, okay. I, I should probably go. Yeah. Just say, say it's broken and go play some toys or read a book, you know. Instead so, of getting them into gambling. Well, my son's pretty excited this weekend. We got the Preakness coming up, so we got to bounce back. The Derby was a nightmare, but we'll bounce back. It's nuts, Connor, though. I feel like we were just sitting at 744 Ostrom Ave, Syracuse University. So people who don't know, I was one of my best friends. We went to college together, covered Syracuse sports together. It was uh, the best time of our lives, and here we are talking about kids. and Who were the coaches? Who were the coaches, basketball players? coaches who were there then i tell you what maybe that's where we jump into because there is a a common thread here between the three of us the coach that we covered in 2009 
Dougie Fresh, Doug Marone, his first year at Syracuse. Connor was the sports editor. This is awesome. I, love I was it. the co-managing editor, and we all wrote. So the first year he was the head coach. The first year Doug Marone so was the head coach. This was after he left us in New Orleans, right? And we yeah. actually won the Super Bowl That's that right. year. You knew him in New Orleans before Buffalo. He left New Orleans that first year. He left. We won the Super Bowl. <laughs> I don't know if he cares. I actually do know because I've talked to him about it. But he also told us to never draft Mike Williams. Well, we'll let's get into that. We're going to go. We're going to go. We're gonna, that's how I'm going to start it. it blew my mind that when, when you guys acquired Mike Williams, I did not understand that whatsoever. This is where the story gets good. Go but, ahead. Um, yeah. So, Doug Marone, it was his first year. You guys we, covered we, him. So, basically, he – he brought life to you guys, right? I mean, he's yeah, kind of. The, guy, the mean, guy is, I guess, the guy is a really good head football coach. He really is. Yeah, um, I remember being. Uh, he walked into the. God, Syracuse is playing Notre Dame, maybe at the basketball. basketball. The, the jacket, the jacket, he ripped the suit jacket off, and he and he threw it on the mid court, and he was like. And then uh, he said, this is the only job I've ever wanted and the only job I'll ever have for the rest of my coaching career. And we were just like, whoa, awesome. I mean, you have to remember, God rest his soul, that was after Greg Robinson. I mean, that was oh, – R.I.P. Greg is uh, – I mean, was as sweet and as kind of a person as there was, but had a hard time there. I mean, he, they, they, they took him from a different place, you know, and – recruiting working in the northeast is impossible if you don't have, if you don't have the roadmap you know that's the best work co- impossible yeah impossible yeah. great word great yeah, he word. had yeah. that great game plan for brett Favre in the super bowl i mean he was this defensive coach and but yeah it's it's a different world it's a different world trying to recruit and and they probably you know i remember zb zach berman we worked with at the, at the daily works and covers the eagles okay he made a great point i'll never forget you know, Syracuse probably should have fired Paul Pasqualoni a little sooner, right? While the program still had that prestige. Yeah. You know, because it, it was at a point where Syracuse what, it was held, Syracuse held on too long. Right. Like they we kind of held about. on too long. So it kind of took a, 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 a dip south. And then you move on from him. And then you hire Greg Robinson. And then it just completely <laughs> caves. And yeah, to your point, I mean, Doug Marone came in and Marone's a good football. Got coach. to some bowl games and whatnot. But the year that we covered him was, it was wild. I mean, for us as seniors in college, Greg Paulus is the quarterback. Mike Williams is going through all that stuff for a, whatever it was, a four or five win team. There was a lot going on. Mike Williams, I think, was that was the year I remember. God, we were running around. Uh, to both police, we were driving between both police stations. Didn't he get into an accident at Turning Stone, or he was coming home from the casino? And yeah. we were like, me and one of the guys from the news department were trying to beat the local news station. I remember we were driving from one police station to the other to see where the records were because if something happened on Route. 8, I remember it was like Route eighty. It was like eighty one North because I'm from Scranton, so you literally just you go on to eighty one and you take one road to Syracuse, and so <laughs> oh, it's yeah. the same road. And so I remember like, I mean, like, oh man, like I know where that is. And, uh, yeah. 
if you're trying to find the jurisdiction, the right police department, wasn't there something like that? Like he got in trouble. Yeah, there. it was Halloween yeah. weekend. Yeah. And he went to Turning Stone with a couple teammates, yeah. got into a car accident. I don't think that they were drinking. I don't I, think so. No. no, no, but it was like. I disagree. For, for Marone, <laughs> it was like the final straw. It was like that was it. I guess other stuff like happened with Mike, enough. and he had enough. And then that's when, as so, that was the story I did for our year in sports series. Like, yes, when Doug you Marone had that it, yeah. vote, who wants Mike Williams on the team? Who wants him off? All the black players went to one direction of the gym. All the white players went to one direction. More African Americans than Caucasian players on the Syracuse football club. But he couldn't get in, he couldn't get in touch with Mike yeah. Williams. He, he, would, he tried to call him apparently again and again. Couldn't get through. As we, we've talked about on the podcast, Mike Williams said that his roommate had swine flu. He couldn't get to his phone. A day late. <laughs> a day later, tried to beg and plead and say he wanted to stay. And D- Daryl Gross, the AD, tried to kind of like talk Doug into it. Like, no, he, yeah, we need him. He wants to be here. And Marone would not budge. You are gone. But what's crazy is at his press conference. Remember, like, he sold it as, like, Mike is just not on the team anymore. He Basically, yeah. he kind of made it seem like he quit when he was really kicked off. So the messaging of that all was a little disingenuous. We So it's so crazy how when your careers go a certain way. So I'm an area scout in New Orleans. I scouted the southeast, so I didn't do the northeast at that time. But obviously, we all worked with Doug. And – Coach Payton said, hey, guys, listen, when Mike Williams came up in our draft board, hey, Marone called me and said, if you ever take this guy, blah, blah, blah. We're now, I'm never – okay, that's fine. So we off the board for the Saints. Fast forward with about, I don't even know, two or three years, I'm now the director of personnel with the Bills. Marone's, you know, the head coach of the Bills. We have a chance to trade – for Mike Williams. And I told Willie, the GM, I'm like, there's no way Marone's going to want this guy. Because when I was in New Orleans, Marone said, don't ever t- touch this guy. Like, he's a disaster. Marone said, nah, let's take a shot. What's, what do we have to give up? <laughs> Why? Like, what? Because at the time, it didn't seem what we had to give up for him was nothing. wasn't that bad. And we all felt the same way. His talent, you guys know, the talent yeah. was there. Yeah. The, he, the talent, everything but top end speed, right, was off the charts. We all know that. The best player and it wasn't even close. Couldn't drop yeah. a ball. Couldn't cover. His route running, his passion, tough, all that. He could never get out of his own way off the field. But Marone fell to the trap once he was in the position. And he said, no, let's do it. And he was celebrating. I mean, Marone was happy. We were all happy we had him. And he did some good things for us. And then all of a sudden, you don't know if he's coming, showing up the next day. It was really like that. It was really like that. He had a a rough. And then Sammy, I know you spent time with Sammy. We've heard stories from Sammy about Mike. Um, The story, I mean, it was just. It was, it's kind of like, it's just, it's, and, and that's not just Mike. It's a lot of guys. And, they have a lot of people they want to help out, take care of. And sometimes you have to say no. And you know what? He didn't want to say no to some people. And it was a lot for him to handle. And It's sad, really. I mean, somebody who's that talented. He was so good, though. He was so talented. But Connor, though, while we're on the yeah, bar, anyway, I'm sorry. I wanted to subject, though. If, if you want to go there, like, 
we got to talk about that meeting that we had. Oh my Doug. god! Yeah, I, so you guys, I'll, I'll let I'll let Connor tell. The yeah, story I want to hear this. Trip. I want to hear this from you guys right now, because you guys talked to him. At Sarah. did you guys see him as being like an NFL head coach? Like, no, go with it. I'm not trying to paint the picture. So it's interesting now. Um, you know, the person that we should have been looking to or for all along was Nathaniel Hackett. The guy was in the building the whole time and turned out to be like, you know, exactly. I mean, he was there the whole time. Let's talk about that after this. Yeah, that's good. um, That's good. Doug is Doug was interesting to me because, and again, you know, like for us, like we came from all, all we knew, like my, my internships and stuff. Like I went from covering high school girls, softball to, uh, minor league it. baseball to <laughs> Greg Robinson, Jim Beheim, and Doug Maroney. So like, that was like my experience Amazing. level. Amazing. Right. So like Doug was certainly like the most professional, like out of those five people that I dealt, ever dealt with, you know? He was um, very professional. That's yeah, another great, you're right. You're right. And the way that he handled us, because the our first big thing was when, when he got there, and it was interesting because I, I actually found some stuff out about this like a couple weeks ago. Like I'm still, I'm still very passionate about Syracuse football, Tyler. But uh, uh, like 35 kids like just quit the team. They, like right when he got nuts. there, like a third of the roster gone, like just completely wow. like vanished. And so one of our uh, kids that was going to be around because we were outgoing. I think that was the spring of our senior year, right? Or no, uh, no, that would have been the the, the spring of our junior year going in because then we covered the fall yeah, when right. he was right, right. And um, uh, we had a big meeting, the three of us, you, me, and the reporter who did the story, Brett Lo, Lo Gerardo. He's um, works for the University of Pennsylvania, I think. Um, and he, um, oh, the meeting was our senior year for sure. That's right, because it came out. Yes, yes, yes. You're right. You're right. And yeah. We. We walked into the meeting with Doug and it was the first time like we had asked him questions at press conferences and stuff and we had met him and we'd had some time with him. But um, he came and Brett was like a smaller guy, shorter guy. And Doug just gave him the biggest hug that I've ever seen him give everybody in his life. And he like picked him up and he was like, oh, it's not funny. And Doug's huge. And so we were just like, what the fuck are we dealing with right now? Like, we, you know, it's almost like in in times of war like sun Tzu, it's like act crazy so that nobody knows like what's going on and so like i have to admit like i was i was what 20 i was thrown up like i was just like what's a lot at 20 you know yeah. and we had some good information we had some solid information but he seemed to just have an answer for everything and at the time when you're 20 you're like oh shit i'm wrong now that i'm 33 i'm like <laughs> most head coaches are accomplished liars. Like, and so it's like, and I'm not saying that was just Doug, but like, that's everybody. And then they're not liars. They see everything the way that they want to see it. And head coaches have that archetypal personality where they only see things their way. And so Doug was like, yeah, that guy's just not a program guy. Like that guy was doing this, that guy was doing that. And like, there might've been some nuance there, which we wrote about, but for Doug, he didn't see it that way. It's like, that's not how Syracuse football player acts. Get him out of here, you know? And it was so interesting. Like the haircuts, right? Like you had to have your haircut. One of the guys had a haircut. One of the guys had a Facebook profile picture of him drinking a Long Island iced tea. And he got cut. 
one of the guys wanted to be wanted to be in the school play. He wanted to be in Hello Dolly. I remember that. And they and he caught him. <laughs> he Marone got pissed at me and Hackett. Pissed at training camp in Rochester, St. John Fisher. We had we had a night off, and we're all at some whatever bar we were at. And Hackett and I were debating. I'll use the word debating over. Hogan, Marquise Goodwin, okay, just in general. And I just said, look, we need to find a way to get both these guys involved. And Hackett was the same way. I lo- he loved both of them. We both loved them. My thing was, I thought Goodwin was a harder guy to find. I just said, Hackett, I just said, he's rare. Like, I just felt like he was rare with his, you can't find guys that can run like that. Hogan, I loved Hogan, but let's face it, I just didn't see him be. But, that was our, we had a debate and it got, you know, it, it was just the two of us, but it got loud enough where people were, you know, other people were there. Somehow that got back to Maroon. So he comes to my office the next day at training camp. Hey man, you and Nathaniel, he goes, Hey, you and Nathaniel, that's ridiculous. I don't want you guys doing that in public. He was right. He was right. I said, coach, you're right. That was wrong. Blah, blah, blah. But he was very passionate about that. But I was just shocked that they got back to him. How did they get back, you think? Well, I don't know. You know, who knows? Was it, that, was it a crowded bar? It wasn't, no, it wasn't even that crowded, but we were outside. And, and Hack and I were definitely – and, and the th- Hack and I always kind of talk like that, too. Yeah. We would have good argu- – I always called them arguments, debates, whatever. But I thought it was a fun debate with the personnel yeah. and the offensive coordinator and the guy that – I thought it was a fun debate because I'm like, I can get Hogan anywhere. Like I can yeah. find Hogan anywhere. I can't find four, three speed that every coordinator in the world is afraid of. The funny thing is that never really went away for Hackett, hmm. which I respected. Like he, during the season, after that debate, that was training camp during the season when Hogan would make a big play for us, he would come up to me and almost give me the middle finger. <laughs> I'm like, I was like, Nate, I didn't hate hack. I didn't hate Hogan. I just thought Goodwin was a hard guy to find. Like, but that's how, that's how coaches and scouts, that's how, you know, that's how much pride, just like you guys probably have pride in what you do, right? You have pride in what you put out and talk about. But we had that pride. But the fact that Marone came to me about that argument, it really pissed Marone off. He did not like that. He and, wants the control over the whole And I just operation. was surprised he cared about that. I was surprised yeah. he cared. He, um, Nathaniel, I, so I did a big profile of him for Sports Illustrated in September. Because uh, September, um, I do our head coaching stuff every year, and he was our top candidate heading into the season. And so I did this whole big thing on him. And – one of the things that I thought was funny, because we got to talking about being at Syracuse together at that time, it was something I wish I knew. But Hackett, his big thing was, I need to teach kids things in a way that they're going to learn. And so he's like, I'm teaching 18-year-old kids, so we're going to play Lonely Island. We're going to play Dick in a Box at meetings. Like, we're going to, you know, and we That's were. Him. You know, That's him. Like, That's him. And he was like, we would have it blaring. And he's like, I'd yep. be dancing. And then he goes, yep. and then someone would tell me Marome is in the building. And so we cut the sound. Cut and it. We'd have a meeting. So yep. Doug would leave. And then we'd pump Damn. it back up. And like, But he was so right, man. Like, And it's so interesting because he got so much out of those teams. And I, um, they were practicing at Fort Drum, I think, right after 
it was going into our, it was the spring of our senior year. So then the next year, um, they're practicing at Fort Drum and the offense just got their asses handed to them. And it was like three weeks before the start of the season. And Hackett said, fuck it, we're running K-Gun. Like he ripped up, he literally threw the playbook in the garbage, installed a new playbook in three weeks. And then Ryan became the leading passer in school history. Like that's unbelievable. Awesome. That's, that's awesome. It's amazing. He's brilliant. He he really is. That combination is legitimately X's and O's smart, intelligent, yet relating But to human beings, there it that, is. That's a hard combination. You guys Relating both hit on it. Huge. You both hit on it as a yeah. head coach. He's going to try to max out his players, their age, their talent. You both said it. That's a true coach, and that's what he grew up. He grew up watching his his dad, regardless of whatever you think of his dad. He's a coach, a teacher, mm-hmm. and Hackett has that in him. It's going to be fascinating to see how he does with. I know. think him and Russell Wilson are going to be oh, kindred spirits. I think Russell guys are like will, sleep and breathe. I and, agree. After dealing with Russell, just dealt with what he dealt with with that rah rah. Oh Carol. My God, yeah. This guy is gonna. He's gonna come up with some offensive, like blow your mind away stuff. What do you think, Connor? I mean, you know, you know Hackett as well as anybody. Yeah, I got I, I got to really look at their offense and, and what I think is really interesting is you know everyone's saying, Oh, when you work with Aaron Rodgers, it's easy. And I was like, it's almost harder. And you would know that, Tyler. I mean, I you know, because you have to come to work so over prepared and you have to pacify this guy. You have to explain everything that you're doing. You have and you have to make it work for him. What I think was so interesting about Hackett was, yeah, like LaFleur is the play caller. But what Hackett's doing in the middle of games is he's being like, okay, but on this play, when you call it, you're going to have the tight end block this way every single time. And then on the fifth time, when everybody's waiting for it, boom, like he's, he's going to yeah. shake the guy and he's going to be wide open down the field. And like when Rogers had those kill shots, that was always Hackett. That was him seeing the, the game develop from kind of like a narrative perspective and, and calling his shots. And I, I, I just think like, when you have a coach that thinks that way, it's so hard to defend that because, like, you might be stopping a team on first down, second down, but they're using that three or four drives ahead of time to screw you over, and you don't even know that it's happening, you know? You know, what I didn't realize when I was a scout and then I became director of personnel, so now you're in the office and in the meetings, but what you just said is so true. They will tell you, hey, we're going to do this on first down, this on second down. This third down play could be – this should be a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Like, they seriously designed the plays, and this should work for a touchdown. Yeah. That blew my mind, that they could actually calculate and, and study that hard their opponents. I loved it because I couldn't wait. On that on game day, I'm sitting up there in the owner's box, you know, with the owners, and you're sitting there like, all right, this is going to be the play. And you could see it develop, and you could see what they saw, and you could see why – if it did – if it worked or not – but you see what they, they they had it, they planned it, and Hackett used to – he would come into the office next. I'm telling you, that second day, he would come in, look, this should have been a touchdown. Like, And he would – and I'm like, yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Man. Yeah. I mean, they Which, really put that type of – dealing with Aaron Rodgers day in and day out too where you're, you're dealing mm-hmm. with somebody who not only thinks he's the smartest person in the room but probably is the smartest person in every room he's in. Tough. And tough, tough, tough. There's – not much you can show him that he hasn't seen before tough, and tough. he knows it and i don't really care what he or mike mccarthy say about that relationship he didn't really respect him from the get-go and 
probably was right. You know, I mean, he's that's what it's. You know what I mean? But to, to earn his respect, earn his affection, I his genuine respect is so hard. So hard. And there were players there with the Packers who told me like the, the coach he respected and loved, like on a weird level was Nate Hackett. Like yeah, that that was his guy. Like they, it was it was real there. Um, that's why so you I, had that's to a lot about him. That's why you had to get Tom Clements this offseason because you couldn't take that much air out of the building for Rodgers and then not replace it with something that yeah. meant anything to him, you know? And so I think, you, like, you had to do something for him, and that was to to get him a friend, you know, back in the building. But, yeah, it was huge. I mean, I, that's why I'm convinced, and I don't know this for sure, but I, I think that Hackett probably had a lot to do with the Rodgers movement rumors out there because – I think probably everyone in the NFL saw it the way that we did, where Rodgers never treated another coach like that, never had as much Mm -hmm. respect for another coach as he did for Hackett. And Hackett was the hot candidate, like he was going to go. And so I think that that there was probably, that was probably the reason there was so much juice behind that because everyone just assumed like, okay, you know, uh, if, if Hackett goes somewhere, I mean, that's where Rodgers would logically end up if he wasn't staying in Green Bay, you know? My favorite thing with Hackett and Marone kind of wrap it up, or go back, but to think about they were together in Jacksonville. I, I still think Hackett got this job based on what he did with Blake Bortles in Jacksonville. I agree. And to think the Blake head coach Bortles was AFC championship game. Insane. Like, it's Doug, insane. Doug Marone fired Hackett. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> someone anyway. from someone from Jacksonville, actually the combine it's, it's not... told me that was the biggest mistake. Someone that worked there at the time and, um, uh, you know, I mean, that whole team is blown up now, but someone who was down there at the time said that was the biggest mistake that we made during that whole thing. Like we had, you made it to the AFC championship game. Um, and then, and then everybody put their hands in the pot and screwed it up. Like Hackett got fired. There was that mandate from, there was like this mandate from on high that was like, okay, Blake got us to an AFC championship game. Now let him take over games. Let's pass the ball 40 times a game. And they were like, no, (laughs) don't do it. Don't do it. Like let's run the ball. And uh, yeah, so it was, God, they blew up something amazing there. I mean, it's, it's so like, I I could, I would write a book on that. Like that. I was just going to say Galen Ramsey, like Calais Campbell, uh, Yannick Ngakwe, uh, like Calvin like, Smith. Yeah. Like you, you fired, you fired Dave Caldwell, but like, that wasn't his fault. Like, look at all the players he drafted. Like that team was amazing. Like he got Allen Robinson, Allen Caldwell. Um, Caldwell could be his own, his own 30 for 30. Yeah. On ESPN. Allen Somebody needs Allen to tell Robinson. me how he's not a head coach in the NFL. I'll never understand that. It's, it's, I mean, the, the teams that, and granted he was picking in the top 10 mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Here's somebody on the that side of picking in the top ten. Sometimes yeah. it's not that damn easy. I know. I was gonna say. Yeah. Yeah. And you know. Yes. So, yeah. Okay. Bortles was a miss, but what was interesting about Bortles is if you ask anybody else, like I talked to somebody who uh, was in the Ravens draft room, and they said Ozzie Newsom had Bortles as his number one quarterback. If you really compare yourself to any wow. other quarter, any other GM. Willie and I walked out of his pro day at Central you Florida. Really? <laughs> You didn't like it? We watched well, about half like of it. a bad movie? You just uh, it was like, yeah. Mm. <laughs> it, we just weren't Bortles fans. Yeah. 
Yeah. Our scouts weren't. We weren't. We went to the pro day to look at some other guys, and they kind of worked out first. And then Bortles People fall last. in love with the intangibles. He looks the part. He yeah. he's, he's going to sell you. I mean, it's mm-hmm. the face of the franchise, blah, blah, blah. Um, I didn't – we didn't like anything. We didn't see it. Well, he he hold the it was, his it, delivery yes, of the ball. All of it. All of it. Delivery, accuracy, just decision-making, quick, blah, blah, blah. We just never fell in love with him, and we didn't have anybody else on our staff that did either. It wasn't just us. But halfway through it, we were like, "All right, we we're good. Like we're not taking this guy. Yeah, let somebody else be the hero." We always—that's a scouting term. Let somebody else be the hero. Like, <laughs> man, but that's a great point. While we have you, though, Connor, we got yeah. to talk some Cleveland Browns. Let's yeah, do it. What's yeah, Connor? What's going on? Your 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 brain inside of your heart, because I can remember. Sitting there at 744, Ostermav. You know, I was uh, a Packer fan in those days. Yeah, yeah. I was a Browns fan in those but days. But 744. That was, a, that was the address for our newspaper, our student newspaper. I love it. I love That's it. That's where we lived, basically. So, Sarah, so you guys were like the, like the, um, what's the school in Virginia, the high school that puts out all these recruits. Like you guys were the, the breeding, like the AAU um, squad was, that just, it was great. I mean, we didn't the really next grade the beat writers are coming from Syracuse 744. All of us are friends. All of us are right. You guys have, like, yeah, yeah, time. yeah. You're talking about it. All it's, it's crazy when you think back, like, I mean, we got our, we got a few drinks in at Chuck's, you know, down on oh, yeah. street, but most of our time was spent basically at that house and, Work anyways, working. Yeah. yeah, you know it was a, it was a daily newspaper. Yeah, um, but you, you you were that was your heyday. That's when. Yeah, it's been all downhill since then. <laughs> that was, that's when we peaked in life. I mean, we're all thriving right now. I mean, yeah, yeah. We're, we're all thriving. We're that's singing. Right. We're, we're we're singing. You know, you don't know about Bruno, and don't talk about Bruno. And, you know. Um, I gotta but, tell you, it's a lot more fun talking about everybody that makes bad picks. Than when I actually had to make the picks, <laughs> I will tell you I like this side. I like this side of it. You know but, what though? I was I I thought my my whole perspective on all this. Um, it, it it's weird <laughs> how much it changed with kids. To be honest with you, um, and wow, that's well said. Last year when <laughs> so true. when Matt Nagy uh, the they were firing they were chanting fire Matt Nagy at his son's football yeah. game. Yeah, and his kids, oh, yeah. his kids. I know. And I I was not in Matt. Naggy fan necessarily, and I Central probably PA, Central PA Connor. Where are you from again? Uh, scrub in Scranton area, yeah. high school. Yeah, yeah. I went to I went college. To, uh, go ahead. I went to Huntington Heights, but yeah, I, I, I like so he's down in the he was down I know in like where, Delco yeah. area, wasn't he? I went so he went to he was in Manheim Central, which okay. is in Lancaster, PA. I went yep. to college at Bloomsburg, right outside of Scranton. You went to college at Bloomsburg. I did. So did my wife. I got my Husky gear on, like right over here. Not well, even it's you know, it's the Ivy League of the PSAC. I, I, I that it's is, really, you know, it's listen. It, I, I was there for about seven years. I didn't get my doctorate, but a lot of people go to college for seven years. Jim. But okay, good. That makes me feel a little better. But they anyway, Matt Nagy. That, my dad was his offensive coordinator. Friend That's another show. story. Friend That's of the show. Good. We had him on. Friend of the show. We can go on and on. Nice. Don't even get us started on Bloomsburg. But point being, Matt Nagy, I've known forever. Um, my dad knows him. They've worked camps together. I thought he was going to be, I thought he was going to be the answer in Chicago. Yeah. I really did. But I do like this point that Connor's about go ahead. to make Let's about go. being a dad. I want to hear this because I love and it. That, 
that changed so much for me because I was just like, you know what? Like, and, and I know it's, it sounds like, you know, it's like, it's a shitty thing to say out loud, but it's like, you don't know what it's like until you think about it happening to you and you can't envisioning it happening to you until you have it. And then it's all so of a sudden true. you're just looking so at true. it and you're like, my God, what if, you know, and like, you know, back when Deadspin was in its heyday and they were writing all this shit about how you can fire all these sports writers and stuff like if there was something my kid could look at online about me saying like, oh, uh, your dad's a piece of shit and he needs to get fired, I, I would be heartbroken, you know? And mm-hmm. I wrote something like, you know, just defending Matt just as a human, you know? And I felt like that that whole thing extended beyond, you know, I was talking to a coach, an assistant the other day um, uh, that, and he was just like, man, you know, you just have no idea how much time we put in. And my, you know, I don't see my kids growing up. Like that's the sacrifice. I, I love this. And, you know, eventually I would like to be a head coach for them. But like, if I don't, you know, I've sacrificed all this and I've missed their lives. Like it's done. Like you, you can't go back. To, so sad. You can't go back to first grade, second grade, third grade, you know? And so that's why they take it so seriously, you know? And, and so, you know, every time I write now, I try to run that through my head and it's like, okay, is it fair to that guy? You know, is it fair to all these other people? And, you know, this, this will send us down another slippery slope, but, you know, you think about someone like Urban Meyer and the way that he treated his staff and how hard those people were working and everything that they were sacrificing in their lives to be good at, at, at that sport and to be dressed down like that so, with such regularity by a guy like that, like, Every time I write now, I try to think of that. It's like, you know, people are sacrificing their live livelihoods, you yeah. know, their Just kids, seeing your kids grow up, you know. And so do I really want to hammer this guy now? Like, you know, is it fair to hammer this guy now? Because, you know, putting it through that lens. And I think it's changed a lot of the, my willingness to write something, you know. Well, it's so a great point. Great point. Such a great point. It, yeah, it, it's it's. When, when it's, I don't know if this is a segue or not, but like having having daughters, right? Yeah. With yep. this the Sean Watson stuff in Cleveland, it makes I, I don't know. I got to be more of a softy, tough, tough, right? Yeah, tough. It's um, so, it's, it's it's harder to tough, consume the detail tough, tough. of the allegations, and you know your colleague Jenny Ventress was all over that, and it's 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 difficult to read. So I found out about it. I got, I got, uh, my editor called me while I was taking my daughter home from school. And, um, you know, I grew up a Browns fan. And so I think a lot of my family like knew that I liked the Browns. And so she, when she was born, they got her a lot of Brown stuff, you know, and like she has a Browns bear that, would, that she would go to bed with at night and stuff. And on the way home, I was just like, Hey, um, something happened and we're picking a new team when we get home. Like I just, <laughs> we're picking, I like that. We're picking. I, I was just team. like, we're going to look at the, and for her, it was fun. It was like, great. I get to look at the iPad. Awesome. You know, like she, that's all she cared <laughs> about. You know, it was like, awesome. I get to look at the iPad tonight, but it was like, you know, as a dad, you're like, Holy crap. You know, like what's go like, you know, I used to, I think I used to like the Browns so much because there was that, like, there was that constant 100 percent effort but just total flatline fit like it was like a cool <laughs> thing it was like that was me total like, flatline we'll, we'll hype we'll link to it in the post here but like it was an incredible column that connor wrote oh, about this all. i saw it, i saw it yeah it's, it's ridiculous it's, sorry to cut you off no it's true no, it's just like you know and i i think there was something that i liked about that and you know if we were to share something as a father and daughter it'd be like 
it's like, oh, they they stink again this year, but at least, you know, we'll try and we'll hire some other crazy guy and we'll see if it works, you know? And, and there was something lovable about that, but now it's like, it just feels so dark and calculated and like <laughs> they're betting on the fact that we as a society move on from things eventually. Mm-hmm. That's what they're betting on. They're betting on us not caring in two years. That's, that's the bet. They might, and they, you know what? They might be right. They, they, might, they right. probably are right if they win. Yeah. And it's sad because we, we all know really good people that work for that franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That with, with some high up positions. And I'm sure it was difficult for a lot of people in that right. building to pull the trigger on this all. And, and let alone, you know, the conversation about the player himself. I mean, that's somebody that I really thought I, I knew as a human being. And maybe you don't, I mean, everybody has multiple layers, but talking to teammates and coaches and, from all levels, you know, you wouldn't hear a bad word about Sean Watts from anybody. Like yeah. the last, you, the last couldn't, thing you couldn't have guessed that. Yeah. Regardless. Never would have but, but to your point, the GMs, the head coaches, the decision makers, they have wives. Mm-hmm. They may have daughters. I don't know, but that's, don't think that doesn't come. Uh-huh. Don't think that doesn't get talked about. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, We've all been there, and it's a it's a tricky, tricky situation. They're gonna have to have that conversation. We did it with Richie. Home. We did it with Richie Incognito in Buffalo, mm-hmm. and Kim Bagula, Terry Bagula, Doug Whaley, Russ Brandon spent time with Richie, and we, you know, and felt good about everything he said. And let's let's go. But don't think for a second that wasn't hard. I mean, and and questioned, you know. And now Richie had to prove himself, and he did. He came to Buffalo and did a great job, but. That that wears on your family oh, and yeah. yourself. So it's you're right. It's, it's hey, Connor, a great... you know people in the building. Like what what do you what can you tell us about how people process that decision? I think I I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be hard. Like I think that that's the one thing, you know. And I'm I'm not putting this on. And I actually don't think we should put it on on paul de podesta the director of strategy but so hard this is hard i think it's like whoever whoever's idea it was i think it stems from this kind of far away calculated thing where like you know they're all numbers on a spreadsheet they're going to perform to a certain level but i i just keep going back to like you know he's going to get up and he's taking them to the bahamas or whatever this week i saw the report and they're all going to work out together but there's going to be moments when things get tough and he's going to stand up and have to command a locker room. And what's that going to look like? I have no idea. Like nobody it, does. Nobody does. I, I have no idea. They, they don't know either, but to your they, point, they, they, they yeah. went through all those, these scenarios, the owner, yeah. the coach GM for sure. Yeah. Hey, here's, here's going to be, are we ready to take this on? They yeah. all agreed. They were. I He's said an it, unbelievable talent. and I said it you from the start, right? Can do on a field. I remember when it first happened, we, we did a pod and Tyler was like, what would you do? And I was like, I hate to say it. It's hard, it's hard, but how can you not explore? Can he play for us? Because the quarterback decides it's everything. It's unlike any employee. It's everything in your profession. If you get the quarterback, you're yeah. set in your profession. But they could win seven games this year, and I wouldn't be surprised, you know? That's okay. And that They'll be okay with that, too, knowing knowing they have him next year. Like, I, I, I'm just telling you how – I'm. I, that's how they talk about it. Yeah. 
It's, I it's not it was, just about this year. At what cost? At what yeah. cost? When can you, he get us one Monte Super Bowl Mac, in the next right? five years? Do we have a chance to win a Super Bowl with Deshaun Watson or yeah. Baker Mayfield? So I, I think this is this is something that, Jim, I think is a good question for you and something that I've always wanted to ask a coach. And um, Jenny Ventus, who was with us, and Greg Bishop, when they wrote mm-hmm. the story on the Chiefs' 2018 Super Bowl, they had talked to Andy Reid about this was in the thick of the Tyree kill situation. Right. Mm. Um, and Good. Frank Clark like had, uh, Same. Had domestic abuse <laughs> I'm talking about, yeah, go ahead. And I love this. What, like, so you win your Super Bowl, mm-hmm. but like, are you sitting there on your rocking chair when you're 80 and being like, you know, was it worth no. it? You know what I mean? Yes. Like, I don't yeah, know. It was what? worth it. Yeah. Yes. It was yeah. worth it. Yeah. And the, I'm laughing because my friends and I, that, we talk about this all the time because we talk about what, what do you hear so much in building a team culture, right? Mm-hmm. We hear this word more than ever. Mm-hmm. Now the Kansas City chiefs, th- these guys were all high risk. Yeah. All of them. Mm-hmm. What changed them obviously was the quarterback, but mm-hmm. they don't regret one single thing. <laughs> promise you. Yeah. Promise you. Not, yeah. I'm not saying those decisions were easy, but I'm just telling you, I we don't regret the Richie Incognito thing. This is where you're rare, though, Jim, because you're a human being. You've got a heart <laughs> and a soul, and you know. But you, like, you see more and more stories come out where it's like these these from scouts to coaches, everybody that runs a team. You're you're you are married right, to right. a profession, right. unlike anything else. You're at the building. All the time, all the yeah, time, nonstop. I mean, you might get three, four hours of sleep, and it's your life revolves around. I mean, you yes, are yes. you. You better but be you, doing that, or yeah. you're behind. That's like, every that's the psychology behind the job, and everybody. And that's the coaching aspect of it. And the scouts are living on a Marriotts away from your families all right, the time. Right. So when you are that committed, that mm-hmm, all in, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're going to look past some stuff that you, you, morally other people wouldn't look past. Production equals tolerance. And and how good are you? And where do you value the guy? Junior Gallette was a defensive end we drafted. Oh, we didn't draft him in New Orleans. We signed him as a free agent, undrafted. I was the scout in the Southeast. He went to Stillman College in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. <coughs> okay. When I tell you this, I met with him. He came in. I was watching film on him in their locker room. Okay. this I'm telling you guys, it's crazy. Scout's life. I'm in their locker room before practice watching film on him. He comes in, they're already started practice. He's not dressed. Junior comes in and he, whatever, he's like, yeah, I got out of class late. He had transferred from Temple. He wasn't happy to be there, but he still loved football. I'm watching, before he came in, I'm watching a tape thinking, oh my God, I can't wait to get to hear all the story. The story comes, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, we we bring him to New Orleans. We spend time with him. Doesn't get drafted. We sign him right away because we spent time with him. He liked us. He liked our coaches. We bring him in. After the first mini camp, Jonathan Vilma and Darren Sharper were like, get him out of the building. He's the <laughs> worst guy. This guy is annoying to everybody. Greg Williams was our D coordinator, thought he was going to hurt Drew Brees because he didn't understand the protocol right, in yeah. a practice where he might take his knee out. Long, that's how it works, though. We took a shot on a guy like that because we want to win so bad. Yeah. 
And that was an undrafted DN from a D2 school. Yeah. Deshaun Watson's a proven yeah. quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. So I guess that's why I'm always so. I, mean, I can remember training camp when I was covering you guys and seeing Doug and Rex talk at Pittsburgh Pub. And clearly what they were talking about was I can't and Polly. Oh, I can tell. I was the, the, the next I, day. I that conversation. I we didn't, we thought he was garbage. We didn't think he was a good player. We're like, Rex, he stinks. Rex is like, ah, let's take a shot on him. And okay. Let's, we, you know, if it's no, once again, production equals tolerance. We didn't have to, we didn't have to give up anything to take a chance on him. Right. Junior Gallette with the same. But he we didn't did have punch to punch his quarterback in the jaw, which and he wasn't a good player. <laughs> and he wasn't good. That's a bad combination. Bad combo. Still take a chance. That's how bad it gets. Yeah. Rex believed something there, you know? That's yeah. how bad it gets, guys. I don't <laughs> hold back. Connor, I don't hold back. I'll, I'll, no, I'll let it out uh, there. I, it's a pre- yeah, it's, it's interesting. Before we lose you, though. Yeah, Connor, we got to go. Um, yeah, we gotta, yeah, we're getting shut down here. Yeah. Cleveland. Tanking. Unbelievable story. Was it last week or two weeks ago now? I'm getting my days mixed it was, up. It was two weeks ago. So it, uh, it came out like the um, – it was like the Tuesday after the draft. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, what was interesting to us is, you know, the NFL released their findings the day before we ran the story, which I think is – I thought I read that story. It was good. Not uh, maybe coincidence. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shocking. Uh, you know, uh, but – I like how you guys – I like how you guys work. <laughs> But uh, what I found interesting Calculated. was, you know, we're not saying that we're not saying that it happened. We're not saying that it didn't happen. What we are saying is, you know, we obtained a copy of Hugh's contract, and we talked to coaches around the league, coaching agents, dozens and dozens and dozens of people who have seen hundreds of coaching contracts combined. No one had ever seen anything like this before. And hmm. in Hugh's contract, there are there's a table, an Excel spreadsheet, and this is an addendum to the contract, right? So they didn't put it in the contract so that it wouldn't go to the NFL. Mm. Every coaching contract goes to the NFL. This was a separate little document that once it came back from the NFL, got attached to the back end of it, you know, uh, conveniently. And in this document, there are things like right there. <laughs> categories, draft capital, make at least 11 picks, five in the first three rounds. If you're a coach, you get a 10% bonus. And if you're personnel, you get a 20% bonus. There was another one. Um, I've never heard of anything like this. I've rank in the bottom quarter of cash spend carryover, at least 15% of league cap coach gets a 5% bonus. Personnel gets a 7% bonus. Um, There's all these different examples. Unbelievable. And so, you know, Never the NFL this. got this information, concluded it wasn't tanking because you're not actively getting paid to lose. But my question is, <laughs> what is that then? And and they're saying, well, every team, this is how you build. This is how you win. But how is that wow. not giving a coach wow, wow, extra wow. money to lose a game? I don't understand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's still mm-hmm. like, uh, it's interesting to me. A like strong, strong suggestion. If there was well, one. <laughs> so wow. what we... What we said, the comparison that we made basically was that the NFL at the end of the day said, like, instead of tanking, it's like, listen, you're not allowed to make a pizza, but if you were to grab a crust and throw sauce, cheese, and toppings on it and heat it up, that's okay. Um, And so it's like, okay, well, then that's, (laughs) we have a a matter of semantics here. But what I think is interesting long-term, and I wrote this a couple days after, was I think what the NFL is doing is they are providing the bottom line for how low you're able to go 
with the Dolphins investigation coming up. And so, yes. so mm-hmm. here's what's going on with the Dolphins mm-hmm. thing over here. And now you have the Browns and you say, okay, well, the Browns, that's, that's the Mendoza right. line. That's right one here, thing, right? right. So we the Dolphins that, yeah. are up here, so they're fine. They didn't tank. Right. And so, and now the word is out to the rest of the league. It's like, okay, just don't do this. Like, don't, don't go three and 36. Don't start Cody Kessler and Deshaun Kaiser, a quarterback. Don't, you know. Uh, Jim's a big Deshaun Kaiser fan. <laughs> and he might they, have been good but it no, was... no 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 they, they went to his workout just to try to throw everybody else off they didn't like him at all <laughs> we did a throw off work we did a throw off that was the Mahomes yeah. Trubisky <laughs> Kaiser <laughs> we did a throw off we went to him first <laughs> anyway go ahead sorry, sorry. So I, think, I think it's uh I think it'll be really interesting moving forward I mean you know the 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 Browns thing were they tanking were they not I don't know I mean could you have spun that as an effort to just make sure that everyone was on the same page with the fact that it was going to be a long rebuild? Maybe because you extended Hughes deal after he won one game in two seasons. So you showed some faith in the, in the coach, but everybody that we talked to was just flat out stunned. We were just like, you've never seen a situation where a coach has Mm. been paid to have Mm -hmm. 11 picks Mm -hmm. in the first three rounds of the draft. Like that's just doesn't exist anywhere. It doesn't exist which there's probably a lot of coaches, GMs, owners that could get on that same page for teams. Right. Right. Like, right. No I think by the end of Buffalo, you're kind of like, all right, if, if, if we're not going for it, let's. Well, you hit that phase. Start card out. Yeah. You, well, that's the difference between coaches, owners, GMs. Like, what are we trying to do? What's right. the goal? Let's have a, like, have a concise. Yes. Like, this are we, are we trying to. And that was in, it was just in, it's in writing, you know, and yeah. it's. To the point where now, because the NFL said this is okay, and I and I wrote this too, I was like, if I'm a free agent now, if if I'm an agent or a free agent, any team that I sign with, I have to know if my coach has a pick accrual bonus in his contract. Because if that's true, right. I'm not that's going. That's good, Connor. Or totally. If you have a cash or cap spend bonus. Like that. Contract, I like that. I'm not going. Right. I'm you know? not going. Right. That's good, Connor. And it's so true. Yeah. I mean, we can sit here and say, "Oh, it's." I didn't even. That's something I had. But you're screwing over the players. Right. I mean, you're yeah. screwing over no, everybody it's, involved. It's, it's trying to win. You can't. You can't sell that you're trying. These guys are out here killing themselves. Yeah. yeah. That's a problem to make a living, mm-hmm. and they're looking at the front office and the coaches like, "Are we trying to win? Right. I'm out here doing what I can. Are you guys? I used to feel that. I mean, I remember that. I feel like are you are you you know, are you guys trying? Cause I'm trying. I used to see those. I mean, we all know we, you guys have all been around these guys. They, they are killing themselves and playing a sport where they can violently get injured. Yeah. They're doing for, everything they can for who, for what, for who, for what? Ricky, Ricky Waters. Waters. I have a shirt. I've actually had that t-shirt. He's from my high school, Bishop McDevitt. I kind of feel bad for Ricky Waters. I mean, he was a damn good running back. He should be in the hall. That, listen, that's, that's a whole other. Let's that not quote. start that. Cause he should be in the hall of fame. <laughs> yeah. He and Shady McCoy. And myself went to Bishop McDowell. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. Well, when they when you think shady, you think Jim Onis. And- no, I, I just like <laughs> to say I went to their high school. I went to their high school. Anyway, everybody, everybody please read Connor's yeah, story. Connor, it's Connor, thank you. There's, this was awesome, man. You're you're listening to one of, if not the absolute best in the business when it comes to. Just, I don't know how you do. It. I mean, having that eye in the sky kind of look at the league, Connor, and having a fresh perspective on um and, on everything it's it's rare and he has summer vacations with doug maroon yeah. in, in western new york they, they are that tight 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, we're gonna we'll see him on the golf links. He's back in New Orleans now, so it's, uh, How, you know what? I love the Cromer. Aaron Cromer is the offensive line coach back in Buffalo right now, who I worked with, and then Marone's back in New Orleans. I love is Marone going to love that penning or what? First round pick. I'm gonna just that's, tell you right now. That might be that's like the son he never had. Offensive line coaches are the best. They. There are very few that are respected. It's a, it's a hard job. It's a thankless job. Nobody wants to do it in coaching. Like assistant coaches, nobody wants to do it. When you are labeled a good one, mm-hmm. job for life. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. Chris, job for life. Chris Furster just needs to be San Francisco. Like, if you're good at what you do, it doesn't really matter. How can we follow that up? How can we follow that up? All right, Connor. Thank you so much for hanging Cheers, out. Cheers, Connor. Like Thanks, this. man. That was awesome. awesome. To see you. Long overdue. Yes. Um, any day, anytime you ever want to come back, you tell us. How about that? Training camp so, tour, man. My first spot. Hell yeah. Let's do it live. Let's do it. If it. We'll do it live right here at HBC. Can we please? Do it. Awesome. Well, and maybe, hey, if people want to come out and hang out at Hamburg with us, we'll uh, we'll schedule it. We'll let people know. So Love it. Awesome. Thank you, guys. And we, we have no crying kids that we know of, all three of us. So it was a well, until, tomor- podcast. until tomorrow. Until tomorrow. <laughs> you walk upstairs and you just never know. It's uh, you never know. You never know what's you never know what's coming. Thanks so much, man. Great all to right. see you. Take it easy, guys. You got it. Talk soon.